I'm Liam Printer, and this is The Motivated Classroom. Bonjour, Falcha, and welcome to The Motivated Classroom podcast. Thank you very much for joining me. This is episode 27, and today we are going to be talking about teaching the basics. So teaching the stuff like colours and numbers and days of the week and times, what we consider the basic things at the beginning when we're teaching students and we often teach them the alphabet and different things like that. So last week I made a bit of a an off the cuff comment that I don't really teach those things. I don't teach numbers. I don't teach days of the week. I don't teach numbers. And I had some interesting feedback from uh, some listeners, uh, mainly quite positive and just wondering, like, how do you do that or how how do you go about it if you don't show them the days of the week and the months of the year and the colours? Like, how do you bring that in? So I started to realise, well, actually, this is probably something I should talk about a bit more on the podcast. So I did say last week I'd do one on teacher motivation and that one is coming. But I thought while the iron is hot, I would hit this one immediately. But of course, we need to start with our little bit of Irish. And today I'm going to give you the Irish word for number. So to say number in Irish is iver. So you'll often hear like in Ireland, you know, Cade on Iver, what's the number or Cane Iver, which number? So Iver is the Irish word for number. There we go. And of course, a quick thank you to all of the patrons of the podcast on Patreon.com. I really appreciate your support, but also to all of you listeners around the world. This week we hit 25,000 listens of the podcast in over 120 countries. So that is down to you guys as the listeners. And thank you. Merci. Gracias a todos for spreading the word and telling other people about it. All right, let's get straight into this then about teaching colours and numbers. What do I do then if I don't teach them? So I guess the first thing I should say is I don't use a textbook or it's very, very rare that I use a textbook in any of my classes. Now, please don't switch off already and go, who is this maverick? I'm not listening to this guy teach anymore or talk about teaching because, to be honest, what's he on about? He doesn't even use a textbook. I have to use a textbook in my school. And that is the case for many of you guys listening. And I feel very lucky that the school I work in trusts me enough to have the autonomy to do what I need to do without following strictly to a textbook and going chapter by chapter. I used to teach like that. Uh, I used to work in schools where I was told to use a textbook and we had to go chapter by chapter. But what that does, of course, in many cases, it will destroy a student's autonomy and the teacher's autonomy. And we know, of course, that autonomy is one of the basic psychological needs for intrinsic motivation. So I'm not saying to anybody listening, never teach with a textbook. Not at all. I get a lot out of various bits of the textbook. But because I don't have to use a textbook, it allows me some freedom as to how I go about teaching numbers and colours. So I guess the title is a little bit misleading. Of course, I teach colours and numbers and dates, but I don't teach them in a vocabulary list. We do them in a different way. So how I do use textbooks, of course, is when I'm out sick, um, I will photocopy a page or have a page scanned in so that they have some stuff to do. Um, I do use them in that way. I use them for readings now and again, now and again for exercises, but we don't follow it. I'll dip in and out of it as to when I need little things from it that I find useful. But I find that if I follow a textbook page by page, bit by bit, students lose the will to live in the class and they're not connecting with very much in the textbook. When I make the class about them, their interests, 
their hobbies, the culture, the culture that we're learning about, comparing it to their culture, they're much more interested. So if we don't do colours and numbers and days of the week in a textbook with exercises, how do we do it? Mainly through reading, storytelling and their input and about them. Just like you learnt it in your first language, just like you learnt it as a baby. You learnt the days of the week and the numbers by listening to it over and over again and hearing it and then it just kind of went in. And that's how I try to teach those basic things. So today I want to talk to you about 10, yes 10, not 11, not 17. <laughs> like in previous episodes I've got my mathematics quite wrong but 10 different ways that I try and help the students to naturally acquire the basics like the numbers, the days of the week, all of these things. And we do these things every single day. Every day we are talking colours and numbers and days of the week and dates. They come up all the time, just like they do in natural speech. And for that reason, I feel we don't need to learn them in a vocabulary list because we hear them so often. Think about every single time you give homework, it's due on a certain day. So they're hearing that day. Every page number, every age, every birthday, that's all numbers. So we don't really need to do it in a list. So the first way I introduce to my total beginners about numbers and uh, heights and ages is through the invisible character. So if you haven't listened to that episode, listen to episode four. And it's all about creating an invisible character or we talk about a one word image. I'm not sure exactly who came up with this first and foremost, but I witnessed it first from Margarita Perez Garcia uh, at a conference in Agen. And she did it wonderfully with a group of completely mixed abilities, mixed ages. And they still created this character. There were adults in the room. There were tiny little kids in the room. There were teenagers in the room and they all loved it. So I thought, right, I'm going to try and try this out. And that's how we do it. We build a character out of an invisible object. We give it feelings and name. We give it physical characteristics. And of course, we give it an age, a height, how many cats and dogs it has, how many times it's been to Mexico, how many languages it speaks. And of course, then you're getting all the numbers. And how do you get the other numbers in? Through the circling technique of questioning and constantly playing with the class and pretending, oh, I'm really old. Can you help me with my memory? Asking questions like, OK, so our invisible character, Mr. Pineapple, does he have, is it eight cats that he had or seven? And then the class go, no, he had nine. Oh, yeah, you're right. He had nine cats, not eight, not seven. Of course, he had nine cats and you'll write the number nine up. So that's how they're getting the numbers through all of these things. And one of the first things we do is give him physical characteristics. So the height uh, is it 1.72 metres, for example. And we will, they know 72 then. And then we will talk about the numbers around that. And so you're gradually introducing these numbers and showing them and they're, they're getting exposed to them in a natural way. But of course, there will be certain numbers. Of, there's millions of numbers out there that uh, or my mathematics listeners might say it's an, inf an infinite amount of numbers. Uh, correct, of course. So how do we teach them all? Well, you don't and you don't need to. As long as you're covering things like each of the 20, 30, 40, 50, whatever, up to 100, 120. And then if they need it someday, they'll figure it out. They'll quickly Google it. It just takes a second if they don't know that exact one or how to spell it. But you cover so much of them naturally through questioning. 
And of course, the same goes for all the colours when we're doing these questions. You know, did he have red hair or brown hair? Was he wearing a black top or a purple top? Oh, he was wearing a multicoloured pink top with yellow stripes in our story. And oh, really like your green top is just like yours. or It's like your top, David, with those yellow stripes on it. So we bring in the colours by this natural conversation and questioning as well. Okay, Liam, I hear you say, what about the time? Surely you teach them how to tell the time. And yes, I do. But again, it is usually part of a story. And it usually is that a certain character always goes to bed at this certain time and then they wake up and then something happens and then they go back to bed at this time. And of course, you're asking the students, is this before or after you wake up? What time do you normally wake up? Who wakes up at seven? Who wakes up at half seven? Who wakes up before me? Who wakes up after me? And they're learning the times through the story and they're learning how to do it. And I was just doing this yesterday with my students. I'm doing a story called, um, what's it called? Vade Camping, which is about a girl or boy who goes camping with its pet squirrel and they hear something strange at night and then they, they jump out of their tent and they see you know, things happening like people are playing football or dancing and they go to different places. I got this story from Martina Bay, the wonderful Martina Bay, who look up her website, The Comprehensible Classroom. Brilliant, brilliant materials. Actually, I say Martina Bay because in Switzerland we have a place called Bay and it's spelt B-E-X. But I actually, she probably pronounces it Bex. So my apologies, Martina. <laughs> it's anyway, it's Martina B-E-X. That's what you're looking for. OK, wonderful website, The Comprehensible Classroom. Check it out. And the kids love it. It's a great story. And it introduces telling the time because it's about she always goes to bed at a certain time. But then the next time she goes a few minutes later and again, you're asking, did she go to bed at quarter to ten or quarter past ten? And they were like quarter past ten. Oh, yeah, quarter past ten. Anyone in here normally go to bed at quarter past ten? Who goes before? Who goes to bed after that? So by you talking and asking and talking about yourself when you go to bed, when you wake up, when you go and play football, when you watch Netflix, they're learning the times naturally through that. And that's how we do it. And of course, then they'll write some of this down. We'll do what's called personal questions and answers. So I might find out that in my class, Nicola always goes to bed at 9.45 exactly. But her sister goes to bed 15 minutes later because she's older. So she goes to bed at 10 o'clock. And who wakes up before Nicola? Oh, well, Paul always wakes up before her. He wakes up at 6.40 because he has to take a long bus to school. And then the students will write this in the next class as retrieval practice. So I'll start the class by putting up a question going, write five things we learned about our classmates in the last class in pairs. And they'll talk to you. They go, oh yeah, Paul, what time does he wake up? Oh yeah, he wakes up always at 6.40 and they'll write that down in their notebooks. So they're learning about each other, which is giving them that psychological need of relatedness. But they're also learning the times and they're learning how to do it naturally rather than in a list and with exercises that in many cases for a lot of students is not motivating and engaging. But learning about each other and who gets up early and then you'll hear them talking about it as they leave class. I can't believe you wake up at 5.45 to get a train. That's so early. So they're learning about each other and they're making connections. Next, we talk about the dates. So this is number three. I'm making sure I stick to my numbers this time. So this is calendar talk. I've talked about this one already as a retrieval practice activity. And I learned this from Diana Castro. And it's essentially what happened in history on this day or what happens today or what is happening on this particular date normally. 
and you talk about the calendar and you talk about what's happening and someone will write up the date every single day when they come into class. I have Señor Fecha, Mr. Date. And his job is when he walks in, he writes up the date in words, not in numbers. And then I have someone else who writes up the weather and we'll talk about it and I'll ask the class, is today the 19th or the 20th? I also do the dates by them learning about my family. When I, Whenever it's my family's birthdays, I'll tell them, say, oh, it's my brother's birthday today and he's this old. So they're learning the numbers, they're learning the dates. And then, of course, you're asking when their birthdays are. They see the, uh, the date written up every day. So we don't have to do it in a, in a list. But what about the summer months? Because then you might get a couple of years into your teaching and go, but they've never learned July and August because they're never here. So the way we do the summer months is usually asking them about who has a a birthday in the summer. Uh, Line up by the oldest to the youngest and then I'll ask each one whose birthday is when. And of course I say, guys, you have to listen carefully because you're going to be writing about this afterwards about each other. Whose birthday is in August? What date? Who's older than her? Who's younger than her? When is their birthday? They'll write it down. All of these things we do through natural conversation. Not every single day, But when it's someone's birthday, we'll use 15 minutes to talk about when are other birthdays, what months, what dates, write it down, write down your your friend's birthday, all of these things. So they learn it naturally rather than in a list form. Number four, I've kind of written down is just the word quantos, which means how many. And we use that all the time. So when I say quantos and like I put my hands up as in how many. And this just helps them with the numbers. And then when we do special person interviews, if someone says they have three brothers, let's say, I'll turn to the class and go, ¿cuántos? And they'll say, tres. Or, you know, they'll say, muchos. So if I say, ¿cuántos? They usually say, muchos. And then I'll say, ¿cuántos exactamente? How much exactly? And they'll tell me the exact number. And of course, in our stories, my characters are often in certain places, say they're in the waiting room or they're playing football for bizarre amounts of minutes. It'd be like 19 minutes and 36 seconds. Be really specific so that they are learning more of the numbers that way. Number five is listening and maths games. Yes, I am a language teacher, but we play a little mathematics games in my class. So it might be something like we've learned about Lewis and we learned that he has, you know, one pet hamster and one pet cat, let's say. So then I'll use that later and say, okay, class, we're going to do a little activity on your whiteboards. How many pets does, how, how many pets, how many pets does Lewis have? Write that number down. Uh, add the number of classes you have every day. Write that number down. Minus 15. So I'll just say a few numbers that I think are important that they know. Like quince is an unusual one in Spanish that they need to learn. And then when they get a number at the end of their little mathematics, they pick an animal with that letter. So I'll make sure their number is, you know, well, it doesn't matter as long as it's from 1 to 26. And they come out with whatever, M, then they have to find an animal that begins with that. And then they show me what it is. And it's the first ones who can do it. And then you go through the mathematics and you say, was it 15 or how many pets did he have? Was it two or three? These are just little games or activities. I like to call them activities, really, because they're not they're learning activities. They're strategies to learn at the beginning of the class. But the students learn all the numbers through these little mathematics games and activities. The next one, of course, is the points system. The point system is genius. I think it was Bryce Hedstrom who came up with this first, but I'm not sure. I've seen it on a few different websites. So if someone knows, do let me know who came up with this first. I talked about this in episode 14 on classroom management. Go back and have a listen. Essentially, you just make up the most random points for good behaviours and behaviours that aren't so great in the class. 
and you get points when the class is not doing things according to the expectations of our constitution that we built together. And they get points when things are going well. When someone says something in Spanish, when someone remembers something from the previous class, when someone is really nice to someone else in the class. But of course, you use the points to teach them the numbers. Oh, you just won 17 points. And then, oh, I won eight points. Oh, you won 28 points there. And they add them up. They write them down. We talk about the totals and you always make sure it's close. And then you make this go on throughout the year. So you're getting up to 50, 60, 70, into the hundreds, into the thousands, even if you need to. And it's amazing. They get so into this, particularly the younger students. And you just pretend you're doing mathematics in your head with the points like, oh, today is the 15th of March and it's the year 2021. And there is six letters in your name, but it is now 11 minutes past 10. So then 11 plus 10 minus six plus. And you pretend you're doing this, but you're talking through it. And they're all listening to you because they're trying to figure out your sistema, your system. But there is no system. You just pretend that there is. I really hope my students aren't listening to this. And I always just pretend there's a system. And then I'll say, oh, that is 41 points. And they'll be like, what? How is that 41 points? When she did this great sentence and it was only eight points. And I just go, oh, I'm sorry, guys. It's, it's the system. And they love it. And it's so creative. And they're learning all the numbers. Number seven I'm looking at my screen here, making sure I keep my numbers this week. Birthday chat. So I talked slightly about this earlier when I talked about calendar chat, but birthday chat is big. So when it's someone's birthday, we use that to compare to other birthdays. So we'll sing happy birthday to them. Then they'll come to the front of the class and then I'll say, OK, who's got the next birthday? And then that person will come up and then eventually I'll say line up by age and then whoever's the oldest I'll say oh this is the abuelo of the class the grandfather and then we've got el bebe the baby of the class and when is your birthday and when is yours and then I'll say line up by alphabetical order of your birthdays in Spanish and they have to really think about that one then and they have to really think about some of them with Mr. Fecha Mr. Date will start writing up the numbers so that they can see which ones are first alphabetically just doing different things with the numbers rather than giving them a big list and making them do exercises with them which can destroy their creativity and make them feel less competent whereas by understanding all this they're listening to you they're getting loads of inputs they feel more attached and then days of the week so yes we have Mr. Fecha and he's writing up the day of the week but what if you only teach this class on a Monday Wednesday and Thursday they'll never learn Tuesday and Friday and I found this out the wrong way because a few years ago I had like a really advanced student actually and, um, you know, amazing could speak about social justice issues and the environment and racism and all sorts of stuff when he was talking to me. But then I would say something like, oh, I want you to bring this into me on Tuesday. And I would hear him go, what is, is that? Which day is that? And then I'd be like, how do you not know the days? And he's like, we never really did them. And I was like, oh, gosh, right. I need to think about how I do this with the younger ones. It's true. But of course, let's not forget if you're listening, going, oh, well, there you go. Now you have to do the days of the week and lists and make them write them down. He was speaking about all sorts of incredibly advanced stuff. He loved the language because he'd been motivated. He enjoyed it. And yes, if he needs the word Tuesday, he can quickly Google it and look it up and learn it in five seconds. But the whole point is we're trying to have activities that make it just a bit more interesting rather than sitting down, writing a list and doing activities with it, which they do in most other subjects. We have the opportunity as language teachers to kind of do whatever we want as long as it's in the language. And as long as you're hitting those markers for the exam, if they need to know 
the days, the week, the numbers, the time for an exam that you're sharing with another teacher. Well, as long as they do that and they can do it, it doesn't really matter if you do it through a list or if you do it in a much more interesting way where they're learning about each other. But of course, it did make me think a little bit about how I taught in the younger classes and how to make sure I hit all of those days of the week. So we started always doing the things about the days. What I would make sure I do is get them to line up by their favourite days. So which is your favourite day of the week? And line up by that. And what is the worst day? And what is the best day? And what day would you get rid of if you could? And that's advanced language. But you're explaining it in a way, you know, that's easy. What day is the best? Which day would you eliminate? Which day would you delete? And if you have to translate one word so it's clear, that's okay. But they're learning all the days like this. Then, of course, they share it with each other. They write it down. John's favourite day is Tuesday. But my favourite day is Friday because I have basketball after school on a Friday. And Matthew's favourite day is Sunday because he is allowed to sleep in in the morning. And what day would we eliminate? Well, Abdul would eliminate Wednesday because he has double mathematics or whatever it is. And they're learning the days this way and they write them down in their little notebooks. They're learning about each other. You're seeing a theme here. It's all about building relationships and knowing each other. And then we're now on to number nine, which is novels and embedded reading. So I've already done a good few episodes about novels and reading. And I spoke to Adriana Ramirez, the author. I always tell my class, leer es poder. Reading is power. And of course, in a book, you have page numbers. You have ages of characters all of these things and we spell out their names for hidden characters so they know the alphabet and I'll come back to the spelling actually because that's number 10. But in terms of the numbers we're still getting loads of numbers from the book. Now embedded reading is a really great technique which is created by Laurie Clark and Michelle uh, Whaley. I hope I'm pronouncing that right Michelle and essentially it's little readings that build upon each other in difficulty levels. So the first one is super easy and it's really straightforward. It's just like there was a man, he went to the shop, he had no money, he went home. And the next one is there was a man, he was quite tall, he went to the shop because he was hungry, he couldn't pay because he didn't bring his wallet and so they build upon each other. And they're great for class, you can use them a lot. And in those embedded readings, what you can add in each time to the difficulty level is the numbers and the dates and the very specifics so that they're learning by reading all these different numbers and days of the week and different things. So the more difficulty or the more detail can be added through adjectives, of course, and connecting words, but also with numbers and dates. So they're learning them that way. So look up their website, Embedded Reading. I'll put a a link to it. It's great. And then finally, we get to number 10, which is alphabet soup, I like to call it. And essentially, this is teaching them the alphabet by funny names in our stories and names of characters. Now, again, this is with beginners, right? This is usually your first year, maybe second year. I'm even doing it this year with my year nines. It's their second year Spanish. We're doing a little story. And again, for those listening, we don't do a story every week. It's every four or five, six weeks. It's every kind of unit. But in that story, there'll be someone with a name. So, for example, right now I have a girl who's acting out in the class and let's call her Lisa. But actually in the story, her name is Lisa and we change it and I say, oh, no, it's got a special spelling. It's L-I-Z-Z-Z-A silent V. And they'll just burst out laughing and they'll be like, silent V. I'm like, yeah, yeah, silent V. But because the letters Z and V kind of sound quite different in Spanish, I want them to learn those. And then... I might get them to spell out another name that's quite difficult with a J and a H in it. 
uh, put a H, three H's at the end. So they learn that letter. And then a great way to get the alphabet in is they do a telephone conversation within the story and they have to spell out their name and the person on the other side isn't understanding and it keeps saying the wrong letter. So they're learning the letters that way in a natural way. And by you spelling stuff out without just kind of going through it and learning each letter, which can be a little bit monotonous for some of the students. And then finally, of course, we have all of the technology. So they were my 10 and now you're just thinking, Liam, you've gone to 11 again. It's because if you've seen Spinal Tap, look up Spinal Tap, it goes to 11 if you don't know what I'm talking about. It's an old movie and they talk about they're so good that it's it's 10, but actually their speakers go to 11 because they're just that good. Well, maybe we go to 11 here in the motivated classroom. Gosh, I'm losing my mind a little bit today. So the last one really is about technology and you can use things like Quizlet, quizzes or Duolingo and we use these because they have lots of repetitions of the numbers, the days of the week, the letters, all of these things come in and I use them when I'm absent. If I'm away on a conference or I'm at a sports tournament, these are the things they do and they're getting more inputs from these, I would like to call them basics, but for me they're kind of boring basics because they're usually just lists but they'll get them on the days I'm absent. When I'm there, we're doing more interesting stuff, hopefully. (laughs) I hope they think so. With more reading, with more stories, with more interaction, learning about the culture. But they can get a lot of this basic vocab through the technology. So thank you so much to everyone for listening. I hope that kind of clears up what I said last week about not teaching numbers and days of the week. So you can see I do it, but in a different way. Please make sure you join me next week when I'm going to be talking about feedback and feedback loops. I will get to the teacher motivation, I promise. But I've got some great interviews lined up with some fantastic people and one of them ties in really well with that. So I want to wait until I have that interview done. But next week, a lot of people are asking me about corrective feedback, error correction, what I do about that. So I'm going to talk a little bit about that next week. And again, guys, I'm I'm just one person and this is just my opinion. You know, there's loads of other stuff out there. You can do things in your own way. I'm just trying to share a little bit the way I do things to maybe you can try something new and have a go at it. I just felt like after reading around a doctorate for so long, I wanted to share it out with people. So please do join me next week. Check out the Patreon page. It's patreon.com. Look for The Motivated Classroom. If you feel like buying me a bag of crisps or a coffee once a month to say thanks for these four episodes a month, that would be lovely. But if you don't, it's no problem. If you're not in that position, no worries. Just keep listening for free. Tell your friends. I want to get this podcast out to as many people as possible. All right. Thank you so much, everyone. Slán awalia. The Motivated Classroom podcast is an original production by Liam Printer. I'm at Liam Printer on Twitter and my YouTube channel is Liam Printer The Motivated Classroom. Full podcast notes with links to resources are available on my website, liamprinter.com. For more, find and follow The Motivated Classroom podcast on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. Graphics and music are provided by Paul Mahan. Intro clips are thanks to the wonderful multilingual staff at the International School of Lausanne.